Life is unfair. Welcome. Before we get to the episode, let's check the voicemail box. First, we got one from our main man, Spencer. Hello, Greg. Hello, fans of This Might Be a Podcast, and therefore they might be giants. This is Spencer. I uh, am calling you to say, hi, guys, what's up? No, uh, as I'm uh, leaving this message, it is mere hours before the uh, live podcast recording of Birdhouse in Your Soul at the G-Man Tavern in Chicago. Uh, I will be one of the uh, panelists, one of the five up on stage with Greg. Uh, I am super excited, although I am a little nervous that I, uh, I'm going to make myself look like a complete idiot. Uh, a partial idiot is fine, but I don't want to look like a complete idiot. Um, but by the time you all hear this, uh, that will all be in the past, and it will all have happened, and we will all... Uh, have our answer as to what happened. What did Spencer do? What did Greg do? How was the music? Did we ruin a wonderful song, or did we make it better? Did we enhance your experience of it? Um, but anyway, uh, that's enough about that. Uh, I- I'm also calling about the last two episodes, uh, Kana Jahari and We Want to Rock, and they were both very excellent episodes. I thought you guys uh, did a great job um, having really intelligent conversations about these songs. Uh, from a music theory standpoint, um, and from a lyrical standpoint, I was totally baffled by what you all were talking about in the Kana Jahari episode. Uh, I think I may actually need to listen to the song again and listen to your episode again. Uh, I was also a little distracted with work, but um, it was super fascinating and, and really interesting. Uh, so great job. I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to go get ready to go to the show. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Spencer, as always. And hey, I thought you did awesome at the live episode, man. Nice job. High five. Next up, we've got a voicemail from Jonathan Leonard. Here he is. Hey, Greg. This is Jonathan. I was listening to the uh, Birdhouse in Your Soul episode. Great job with the live uh, roundtable. And I know that organizing that is probably extremely hectic. So kudos to you on that. Um Listening to the uh, part where you got to Summer in the City, that alone made my mind blow, but I kind of did a little bit more digging and listening to the whole song. I think what they're meaning by the trumpet thing is the car horn honking that kind of happens in the breakdown at Birdhouse. And the other thing that I noticed, uh, which is kind of nuts, is in the live versions, there's a guitar solo that Flansburg and Miller play, uh most of the time uh, during that same breakdown. And the guitar part they play is the exact, except uh, they do keep going up higher and higher, but the same uh, rhythm is the same one from Somewhere in the City uh, during that breakdown. So hearing that and making that connection made uh, my mind kind of blow all over the place. So uh, love the show and uh, keep it up. Bye. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate the kind words about the show. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. Undeniably, it is They Might Be Giants. 
I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I am here today with Mike Buffington to talk about the very obscure song, Sifton. Go, Mike. It's going well, yeah. So you're direct out of Brooklyn, uh, and yep. do you do you have a token to get back to Brooklyn if you were to leave? I uh, <laughs> no, I don't. The fair collector said something about killing my parents, so I got a little scared. <laughs> Plus, they don't use tokens anymore, so no. Uh, yeah, it's all just uh, it's all card based. At, at some I point, assume. I think they're switching over to that uh, sort of a, like an oyster card uh, system. Not just so like straight a, to like a brain chip. Well, maybe. I mean, in 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 London now, you can you can pay with a credit card, just like a touch, yeah, touch pay, touch and pay kind of thing. But sure, um, I yeah, there's always rumors about them having to you know touch in and touch out and alternate, you know, kind of the fare depending on how far you travel and such. Right, right, right. So yeah, I mean, it just seems like because. Well, so I, I grew up in uh, Chicago, so I'm used to the the, the L. We go above ground. Yeah. Uh, we don't go underground with the rodents. We go above ground to make as much noise as possible. Uh, <laughs> you do not want to live by the L tracks. Um, but yeah, like having to like load up a card and all the stuff and like the the lines that go with that and uh, it's it seems like it would there could be a better system and that there already should be a better system. The way that everything yeah. is just like pay, you just like hold your phone up to the thing and then like bleep there and get in, you know. I'm liking the microchip idea. I mean, you know, they, yeah, they brain. microchip dogs and stuff. Why not? Why not us? <laughs> it's it's kind of surprising that that there hasn't been a push uh, with how people helicopter over their their children. And uh, I mean, people are nervous about stuff happening to their kids. It's normal, but like with technology these days, like everyone's tracing their kids' phones. It seems like the next step is well, they can leave their phone somewhere you know, intentionally or unintentionally. Mm. Uh, so why not just like jab a chip into them and they're a baby and uh, there you go. Now we're getting into some Black Mirror stuff here. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a They Might Be Giants podcast. <laughs> well, you know, uh, rec- uh, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, how, how are things in, uh, in uh, Brooklyn right now? I have not been to the New York City area in quite a while. I go to Boston now and then. Because my sister lives there, but New York not as, not as much. Well, how are how are things? I'm relatively new here. I've been here for about four, almost five years. So I mean, it still kind of feels new. I, I hardly get out. I, I work at home, or I work for myself. So I'm usually home, or otherwise I'm going to Staten Island, which mm-hmm. um, it's sort of the uh, the the lesser fared borough, but. Still, I, I like I like Staten <laughs> Island. Um, yeah, it it doesn't have a. I mean, the Beastie Boys still did some some. Bo- they still Bo-tang? reference it a little bit. Didn't yeah, okay, there you go. So, I mean, I guess. But, yeah, um, get get some props, but not as much. Yeah. No, but this is it's the city where the streets are paved with diamonds. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And New York City does have that that allure to me. Like I've been to both coasts on tours with, with various bands I've been in. And it's just something about the East Coast. I mean, for one thing, there's there's the history, but I also just love like how everything's just like crammed in there. There's just mm-hmm. like so much stuff everywhere. Now I've also been in, and I've played shows in LA and um and like you have to drive, but the driving sucks yeah. and it's just like sprawling and just like the 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 I think it's also just like the California culture. There is an allure to that too. Sunshiny blah 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 surfers mm-hmm. and all that nonsense that's not really true of most people there. Um but the the I don't know, just the vibe in New York. I mean, I guess also growing up in Chicago helps. New York and Chicago are a lot more similar than than, than right. L.A. Well, I, I grew up in Phoenix um, and uh, really Tucson as well. Mostly my college oh, okay. days in Tucson. So, um, But I lived in L.A. for like two months. Um, so I've, I've experienced both. And? Both of those. <laughs> and, and I was happy to, to get out of L.A. I, I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, you know, the weather was great and... <laughs> Driving wasn't so bad um, compared to Tucson drivers. Tucson drivers are terrible, but um, really, yeah, oh, Why? terrible. Because huh. they just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, but LA yeah, drivers. I've heard, oh, I actually oh. just had a friend move to Tucson. Oh, they they had actually lived in uh, Albuquerque. I don't know. And then they came to Indiana. It's like people that are in academia and stuff. It's like you know if they're on a. Right. You know, a one year like visiting lecturer or visiting professor, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm lucky that my wife has a tenure track position and she's going up for tenure early. But so these friends of ours, the the woman was uh, in the languages department with her and they had to move because she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't happy here for whatever reason. And uh, they were talking about how whenever the weather gets slightly different, I think as the weather's like always the same there, if there's any sort of weather change that everyone flips out and just like crashes everywhere. Yeah. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, monsoon season in Tucson, you just have drivers who don't know how to drive in, in rain <laughs> and the streets flood <laughs> and um, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but I think my favorite, so uh, last time, man, I haven't played any shows in the Southwest in a long time, but I did go on vacation there a few years ago, and my favorite, uh, the sign that we saw um, was, strong winds may exist, and we're like, okay, first of all, strong winds do exist, they may not be <laughs> happening right now, but wind does exist. <laughs> Science is real. <laughs> strong winds may exist, like may occur, like what were you going right. for there? Kind of weird. Kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, I believe you're the first person that I've talked to. And let me look at my spreadsheet here. That I've talked to that's from or in New York at the time. When I talked to uh, uh, Leslie Gower is going to be on uh, her episode is going to be airing soon about uh, Road Movie to Berlin, and she had gone to school, I believe. Maybe it was in Ithaca or something, but it's in New York State, and then she now lives in L.A. And I was like so sure that I could like trash talk LA a little bit or that she'd be like (laughs) cool with it. Or, you know, like like most people are like, if people trash talk Indiana, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I'm here because there were jobs here. You know, my wife has a good job, but like, you know, I can take some ribbing about that or whatever. But she was like, oh, no, you didn't. I'm like, oh, come on. Who who really likes LA? Nobody. Come on. Nobody. But she had lived in New York. I was thought for sure she'd she'd have the the attachment to New York uh, area. But but no. 
So you uh, you were one of the um, I've started coming across more and more like super duper duper fans that make me feel like I need to try harder at being a fan, even though I've been trying hard for twenty five <laughs> years. Uh, and and like this this song's not on your spreadsheet. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, Sifted? I, that sounds familiar. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I picked an and obscure like, one. Oh, this is this yeah, is on the a uh, little the I Palindrome I EP. And um, and apparently the guitar, you uh, European yeah. version of the yeah. guitar EP. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's how did you get to be a fan of this song? This song, um, you just picked up a copy of the iPad and yeah, you know, I have this cassette. Well, I have this memory of of seeing a copy of it in Best Buy. And I picked up that, and I think really? I picked up Miscellaneous T at the same time. And I was like, which one do I get? Well, this one has a lot more tracks, so I'm going to go for Miscellaneous T. I think. This is my right. memory. It could be could be wrong. And then then it was impossible to find I Palindrome I after that. Because this was, I guess it was like, mm-hmm. what, was it 96? It was 96, so it wasn't it wasn't new. It was, you know, a couple years old. Yeah, a few years and old, then, yeah. And then I had to find one. I, I, I bought my copy on eBay. Um, mm. I guess that would have been the first time I heard the song. Um, and probably would have been about maybe 97, 98. Um, mm. I definitely mm-hmm. knew it by the time the little snippet of it appeared on the Brave New World. Um, just before they, they intro yeah. um, older. On, on that show there was just yeah, this tiny yeah. little bit of it and I remember getting very excited about <laughs> just that because it's like <laughs> well it's one of those rare songs that's like it's, for the most part it's instrumental yeah I picked you know? and that's kind of rare that's rare I picked for a them. bunch of in- instrumentals that have words <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just like uh, supplementary yeah. words is like they're uh, yeah they're just kind of there to, 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 to give it a little extra right. flavor um yeah, so uh, we probably should play the uh, the the dial a song version, uh, which is what thirty five seconds. seconds. Yeah, um, are we are we going to do it live or do you sort of splice? Oh, it it'll, it'll 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 it it'll drop in right like, now here. That was amazing. <laughs> hey, you just you missed it. You missed it. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, nice noise on that, which I want to know about those those power dial song things. Like, I think the the true origins of the the recordings of those have been lost to time. Yeah. Like, was it someone holding uh, like a handheld yeah, cassette absolutely. recorder up to a phone, <laughs> right? Because that one sounds like some of them, especially, sound like it was someone like in an actual phone booth, like outside. <laughs> it sounds like there's like wind, yeah. like this one. There's a lot of like you know hiss and stuff, like the white noise is like there's a shift to the noise where you're like that sounds like wind blowing over the receiver. <laughs> I thought well, the frustrating part about the demo is it just cuts short. You know, it's like Linnell is in the middle of nana nying and boom, it stops. Uh, and does that mean there's there's was more of that? I don't know how fleshed out that demo was. Um, all we get is yeah, yeah, it just chops. 
Yeah. Hmm. It's, you know, usually, usually it'll be. I mean, I had a I had a recorder called six seventy five. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I have a couple of them, and I got one to the band actually in in two thousand and one. Um, saving dial a song for a few years. Are you are you for real? But yeah, yeah, it's it's um. So let we can detour for a second. There's yeah. um, you remember slash dot? You remember when a, a site would get slash dot? Um, uh, this was uh, like help me out. You know, I don't know. Maybe so am I younger than you? Sla- sla- I, don't, I don't. I'm thirty thirty almost thirty six. Okay, 36. I I'm a thirty. I'm thirty seven. So, so I just don't remember that. That that oh, terminology so there. I, so, I guess I'm I guess I'm a bigger nerd than than I <laughs> realized. Slashdot is sort of the Reddit of the late '90s, uh-huh. and back when bandwidth was very limited, um, if your website got posted on Slashdot as being something cool, every nerd in America or really around the world would go to that website and crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> too many people. The, yeah, you know, too many people. So. A, sl- a site would get slash dotted. Um, See, because it sounds like, I mean, I guess it. it is a bad thing in the end, but like, it's like too many people want to uh, see what you're doing. Like slash right. dot sounds like it's like you're getting slashed, but it is actually, <laughs> it was, yeah, people are like, oh, cool. Because it's www, you know, HTTP colon slash slash dot, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where the name comes from, the the URL. But um, so they might be giants on they might be giants.com or tmbg.com. I can't remember which. They they put up an announcement saying we're down to our last functioning recorder called 675, oh. and so we're putting it out to you, the fans. You know, do you does your grandmother have one in her attic? Um, you know, let us know. Um, send it to us, or if you know of a, a computer based system, we're all ears. Oh, and they said eBay hasn't been helpful, and I I go when I read that. I read that before seeing it on Slashdot, but when I read that, I was like, eBay hasn't been helpful? That's bullshit. <laughs> so, because it was picked up by Slashdot, I figured every nerd would have seen this and every nerd would have had the same thought right. that I had. eBay. Well, go on eBay. So, I go on eBay. I can't remember if this was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but Friday, there was an auction ending for a recorder call 675. Uh-huh. Like two, two to five bucks. I can't even remember oh, wow. anymore. And so, I email. I emailed... At the time, it was Dan Miller. He had his email address on his on the website. Oh, wow. So I emailed Dan. <laughs> and I said, "Dan, there's a recorder call on on eBay. Uh, are you going to go for it?" And I don't hear back. And so now Friday rolls around, and I'm sweating because either I'm going to be bidding against a million yeah. internet nerds yeah. or the band. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you don't want to jack the price up for your for right. the band that you're trying to help. So I snipe it at the last second and I get it for two or five bucks, whatever it was, <laughs> only better. <laughs> and then I email uh, Dan like immediately. I'm like, well, I want it. Uh, what are we going to do about it? And I didn't hear back anything for a week. <laughs> and then Dan finally writes back. He's like, oh, uh, if we haven't re- emailed you yet, um, sorry. I thought I did, but um, yeah, we want it. So send it to me and we'll hook you up with some stuff. So. Uh, I got a subscription to TMG Unlimited and a couple of merch items and tickets yeah. for the next time. <laughs> so that was my end of the band. And then from that <laughs> moment on, every time I go see see Dan Miller, I'd be like, "Oh, Mike, Cortical, yeah." <laughs> so, so hey, um, yeah, as we kind of we kind of yeah. So wow, you've been even uh, 
down with the band for, well, for yeah. quite a while. So <laughs> when did you, uh, we kind of skipped over a crucial moment. When? So we're, we're when pretty much the into- same age. I got into They Might Be Giants in that crucial, uh, you know, 14-year-old age. It was right around Apollo mm-hmm. uh, 18. When, uh, when and how did you first hear? Uh, well, so I have an older brother, six years older. And so he was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, there's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you hear it in different places. Uh, you know, of course, Tiny Tunes, that was definitely a thing uh-huh. that I saw. And I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, hey, Jake, it's that band you like. Rather than, oh, this is great. You know, this is something I'm interested in. But it was like, so he, he handed me a cassette dub of the Pink Album and Lincoln. On Link, mm-hmm. Pink on side A, Lincoln on side B, 90-minute cassette. And um, so he, he kind of got me into them. Um, and so I was, I was in end of middle school, 96. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, he was working for the radio station at the, at ASU and, um, would hook me up with stuff. So he handed me this promo copy of, um, Mono Puffs, uh, unsupervised. Nice. And... Um, the, <laughs> this is a story I don't really like to tell much, but I, I guess I, I guess I can say that, um, well, I, I, I have the factory showroom complete recording sessions. Oh, and, nice. Um, that was because my brother had a friend working in Electra and she stole it off her boss's desk <laughs> <laughs> and, and got the it master me, tape. So <laughs> he, well, it was, it was a cassette dub. I think there was only 12, 12 yeah. copies of this in existence holy um, cow um so i had i had all the factory show and basically all of um uh long tall weekend before you know in like before factory showroom came out yeah so wow. so i got hooked up with a lot of good stuff early on i'll say and just kind of see yeah, really so wait it. where were you living at the time i was in phoenix at the time yeah you were still in phoenix okay so where where the heck is Electra based? New York, but it was a friend. Okay. So he was working for the college radio station at ASU, so he had some connection. I don't know how. Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess right. it was. I was just getting turned DMI around there. Yeah. Or something. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I have to thank my brother for most all of my musical interest tastes. Um, so, yeah. What kind of other stuff were you into at the time? Uh, at the time, not much else actually. Um, I kind of knew this band called Pop Will Eat Itself. Um, because of the movie mm. Pi and the, the scoring work oh. of Clint Mansell, he was in Populate itself. Oh, okay, it's very it's very different from They Might Be Giants <laughs> and uh, very uh, sort of angry and grunge rock. Oh yeah, electronic I was listening to that stuff. I mean, Green Day was a game changer for me. But like, I never got into Green Day. I never got into Weezer. Never got into like uh, all the bands that were popular. I just did not listen to anything popular <laughs> <laughs> so for the for the longest time it was like the beatles and they might be giants and then a little bit of stuff here and there but when i went to college my brother would be like oh can because i did the radio station at, at uh, AS, uh u of a and mm-hmm. um my brother would send me an email like oh mike i want you to you know, see if you can grab copies of this and this and this and so you know i, I would rip rip the cds and then listen to them and then send him you know or the next time i saw him give him some burnt cds and so i you know and the radio station itself just opened my 
ears up to a lot of different different bands and things. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I still have a ton of CDs on our rack. I I still covet CDs and, and love oh, yeah. them. And I, I uh, <laughs> had to build a huge custom shelf for all of my CDs. But I still have so many on the rack that have the the UPC punched out or whatever uh-huh. else because they were taken from the radio station. And also I've written for uh, punknews.org that hosts this, this podcast. I've written for them since 2002. So I was, this was back before, you know, when you were going to review something, they had to actually mail mm-hmm. you a CD. Um, and then even when, even when MP3s came around, they were worried people were going to leak stuff. So, you know, that you'd still get a physical and, yeah. you know, the uh, stuff would be punched out or it would have like that kind of half artwork and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I've got a lot of, Weird versions of stuff that may or might, may not end up being worth money from some random band, like, you know, that ends right. up being a cult band down the road. Right. Be like, well, I have this promotional art version of this album. I remember <laughs> I remember seeing a Katy Perry CD at, at the radio station, and it was just like, it was like the You Are Gay single, and it was very, I just look at it, and it's <laughs> it's got her, and, you know, and you can see it's all about looks, and I'm like, this, this woman's going to be, huge because of the, just because of the way yeah. she looks and i remember here you know seeing that cd i didn't listen to it but i remember seeing it before it became popular who knows if it's still in the racks in the in the stations but <laughs> i doubt it it's probably been swept another, I mean, so there between it was, i didn't i wasn't in, in town in tucson over the summer and um three they might be giant cds promo cds it was um 2001 sampler one and two and something else and um nothing was being played at the radio over the summer and there are a few kids that would you know have a show or something but i remember it was the first day back the first meeting i i run over to like the music director i'm like hey did some stuff come in over the summer can i check it out and they let me rummage through and i just pulled them out and put it in my pocket because it was it was already like four you know, like two, two, three months past playing date, and it would already yeah. be out of circulation. So, uh, yeah, people, yeah, people are probably listening. They're like, "You were stealing CDs," yeah. you know. But, but yeah, it's like in the radio game. It's like if you're, you know, the the labels that sent it to you or the PR people that sent it to you, they care about it how it does on the college charts or whatever. And once it gets past yet, like a couple of months, they just, they don't care. And our station was so small. It was just in the basement of the boys dorm. And, uh, the, uh, the station manager, like at the end of every school year would be like, come take some of these because they're just jamming up. We don't have room for these CDs. We had some clearance. Yeah. First come first serve. Yeah. We just have like armloads of CDs. Yeah, like I've heard of the name of this band before. <laughs> Let's just take it. Let's cover art school. Let's take it. It's the best way to find <laughs> out about a band. Yeah, personally, the the one thing I miss was uh, where you'd have a CD of a band you really like, and you'd look for like the the thank you list and the credits and stuff, and you'd be like, "Oh, this band, like Green Day. Oh, they 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 thanked." Uh, no effects. I've I've heard of that band before. I should check them out. <laughs> oh, they think Rancid. I've heard of that band. I should check them That's out. Cool. And uh, yeah, it, it led to a lot of um, buying things sight unseen and just like ordering things uh, like straight from the record labels. You know, there were no right like the websites did not have streaming players to <laughs> listen to sample stuff. It's just like, hey, this is good. You should yeah. buy it. Okay, cool. <laughs> People don't buy shit anymore. 
They can, like, even if you could, like, and then there was the, like, times where, like, this, or is Amazon still like this, where you, it, it would only let you listen to, like, 15 seconds of a song without actually buying it. We, like, get a little sample, like, oh, those 15 seconds were really good. I'm going to buy it. And now it's just like you just right. stream everything. They don't like. I, nah, I, I don't still go buy anything. Let's let's try to monetize. I this definitely stuff. still go out and get the <laughs> CDs. Streams. Or my favorite is to just go to a concert and get the CD from the band. Hand them hand them a, a tenner yep. or five bucks or whatever they're right. asking. And, and and it's such a it's such a great experience. I I love that. That's the way yeah. my band prefers it too. <laughs> oh, so. Um, my girlfriend and I were walking past like a CVS kind of thing and we she sees this Disney like toy guitar um, and she's like looking yeah. at it and I was like yeah. what are the songs that they might be giants and I'm just like Hot Dog you know Mickey Mouse Clubhouse she's like yeah Hot Dog's on here I'm like what so we go in and it's this little toy nice and you press buttons and it's just you know you, it's like a little microphone a little guitar and you can play sing along to yeah Hot Dog and the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and some other non They Might Be Giant song. But I guess, I mean, they're. I, yeah. I'd be interested to know. Well, see, I mean, I, I would assume that. it's like. Is that considered, it's considered a stream every time the kid strums the guitar. <laughs> but I, I, and starts I would guess that work would be like work for hire and they would have just got a one time payout for, for those songs. Probably with, with, with that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I don't know. All the ins and outs of their, yeah, their Disney dealings. I, they may have some sort of like blanket, uh, uh, contract with them where, you know, they they fulfill this many songs or whatever, and they get, you know, it's it's yeah, or or it could be song by song. I don't know, but maybe on, you know, it could have been something where Hot Dog was just. I doubt it would be something where Hot Dog was just paid for up front because I think. Flansburg and, and and Pete and their management and stuff would know that that's right. that's not the way to go because it, because it'll all you know you never know how something's going to blow up and that song has blown up with with the kitty market um, so maybe with stuff where it's like they they pay them a little extra like oh it's going to go in this toy and we're going to make this many of the toys so you're going to get like right. a cent of a cent off each you know toy sold or something like that and it'll probably end up you know <laughs> being significant. Uh, because it's a Disney toy. <laughs> man, man. Someday I'll get that Disney money. I actually have friends who, who landed a song in uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua <laughs> 3, straight to DVD. They made like three grand off it. So, that, you know, I would have thought it would have been more, but it, is, it was huh. just a, it was a non-theatrical movie. They were hoping to get their foot in the door on that one, and that ended up being their only Disney thing. They were on a lot of other... Uh, had a lot of songs on other uh, channels and such, but that was the only Disney thing they yeah. ended up uh, getting. But uh, they might be giants seem to be pretty tapped into that now. So they're, uh, they're, uh, yeah. As long as they keep doing what they're doing, I mean, hopefully they'll keep putting out uh, the the grown up albums because they could easily just coast on this kid's stuff. But I think artistically, they they probably for them their own satisfaction have to keep making. Yeah, weird songs. It seems, it's <laughs> kind of seems like they're done with the kid stuff. Which you is, think? I don't know. I mean, you mean album wise? Kind of, yeah. I mean, they're still doing this TV stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely they're done with Disney. But I mean, I don't know. I guess why it was there it was not too long ago. But um, it it actually kind of like, was in kid time because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was 2015. 
So like, yeah. you know, a kid who might have heard why when they were four is now eight and is like, that was stuff yeah. I listened to when I was a baby or whatever. You know, I don't know. <laughs> my, like, mind, my mind blown there. Yeah. I mean, working, working I mean, with like, kids, it's like, because yeah. I was, I was, I, my first graders were, were learning, I'm a paleontologist. And, the, and when I talked to Danny for the podcast, it dawned on me that, yeah, the album came out in 2009. That wasn't long ago at all. That was like yesterday. And then he, uh, or whenever it was, 2009, something like, I don't know. But it, either way, it was a while ago. Oh, 2000, 2011, maybe, 11, something like that. 10, yeah, 2011. Because uh, he's like, yeah, my son, he was, he was 10. He was really into dinosaur bones and stuff like that. So I wrote that song for him. He's in college now. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> like, we watched that video, and like those are his kids at the end of the video there. And, yeah. you know, the, his son is just obviously like so little. He's like, yeah, you know, he's like gotten his, his like grown up teeth are starting to come in. He got that kind of like that cute little buck tooth thing the kids get when they're, when they're frank of like grown up <laughs> teeth start coming in. And now he's like in college and it's just like, what? God, how did I get so the, old? The girl from One Dozen Monkeys is now old enough to drink. There you go. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. So now that we're feeling really old, um, let's talk about a really old song. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so November twenty fifth, nineteen eighty nine, we have um, a bootleg of a show. Yeah. And the intro music is Sifton. I know. I like how you came in like more prepared than any other guest by like sending me a zip yeah. file of various <laughs> versions of Sifton and and the song we will do. It's on such a, a great episode. song. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's an so, interesting one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, mean, what do you know about that uh, that 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 live uh, recording? Well, so I mean, it, it listening to it, it feels more resolved, and it seems like it might be the same working file that became the studio. Um. There's the saxophone. You can mm. hear the the tenor sax. Yeah. But it sounds. I don't know if it's a synth or if it's a real one. It's not the same that Kurt Hoffman. It's not the same melody that Kurt Hoffman is playing in the studio. So it's it's an early take. But it mm -hmm. could be Linnell. It could be synth. Because um, it's in that tenor range. But um, it's slightly different. There's a slight arrangement differences and, and editing differences. But it's purely instrumental. The the saxophone or sounds are playing the melody. Mm -hmm. So it was just used as their walk-on music. I mean, there was a thing on the other day on the um, the Tumblr where Flansburg was talking about the walk-on music and the song What Nut is just like a sort of remixed 
edited version of um, They Might Be Giants, the, the song. So, yeah, they, they, you know, would use walk-on music to sort of make sure their tape deck was playing right and yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So, But this is 89, and, and uh, the album, or Apollo 18, Apollo 18 or, or I, Pal, and John Mike came out in 91. So they were sitting on this song for a while. Because, um, what 89 is, is post, post-flood. Um, or pre-flood, I'm thinking. Pre, pre-flood. So, I mean, it, who knows when they when, when recording, they recording it could have yeah, been. But, yeah. So, you know, it, it maybe they just didn't think it was worthy for flood and or worthy for Apollo 18. But, you know, I, as as a hardcore fan, I just know and assume and hope and pray that they've got this massive archive of rare <laughs> unreleased stuff. And, um, of course they do. Yeah, I but think they keep saying, oh, we don't. Rat. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. They say, they say, oh, anything good we've put out, anything that's terrible is not worth listening to, but uh-huh. I, we uh-huh. would disagree, I think. Yeah. But so, on. you know, I guess it's cool that they thought there was enough, uh, of, there was something good enough for the song to warrant being heard by the public maybe earlier than... Or maybe, right. maybe, who knows? Maybe they got a, uh, they got used to it, sort of introing shows, and they said, "Let's let's work on this." Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's add in it. Uh, we'll say Sifton a couple Sifton. times. Sifton. <laughs> I'm looking. Yeah, I'm gonna. I just took a screenshot of the lyric tab on the on the wiki because it's pretty fun, <laughs> funny <laughs> looking. Great. I'm gonna tweet that out. It just says Sifton, <laughs> Sifton. So, and, then, and then a nice little artistic looking. I'm the, the person must have counted up the exact number of laws. Yeah, but but it looks very neat the way the laws are written out here. <laughs> la 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 la. Just a lot of laws. Remember, there was like a <laughs> meme where it was like, "Sing the exact lyrics of a song, or you'll get shot." Type thing. You know, <laughs> what what song would you pick? And and I remember. Um, John Euless, uh, the, the the Facebook group admin, yep. he picked Sifton, and um, <laughs> and I'm like, how many you know like how many times? I think I asked him, and and he said something, and I I counted, and I counted wrong, and I realized that <laughs> I didn't know how many times la 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 was 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 sung or said, so. <laughs> I would pick a different song, and 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 we'll get to that one uh, another another episode. <laughs> but oh, I mean, man. yeah, I think there's something about the song. It's it's just so full of John Linnell goodness, and it's also mm-hmm. like the actual studio recording. And there's also um, great instrumentation from other yeah. people there's a lot of stuff i want to dive into uh about sure, the actual yeah. i do i do studio. yeah i do agree about the the linnell thing i know I, I i can't cite a source on this but i know i've heard him say stuff like he writes lyrics because you kind of have to if you're in any sort of band that falls under the pop umbrella right but i think he might just be happy to write instrumental songs for the rest of his life if if you know he could make a living off of it. But I think, you know, in the genre that they are in, typically people want something to sing along with. Right. 
but so so his melodies i've always had the the feeling that he writes his melodies on the keyboard rather than just like jamming out a chord progression on the piano and then singing out a melody i think he probably writes his melodies huh. instrumentally and then replaces that melody this is the way i do stuff because yeah. i like to be able to see the intervals that i'm working with under my hand um and then i write lyrics over top of that so often i'm matching syllables to like rhythms i've played or else i'll change stuff around but I, I've always had an inkling that he writes his melodies that way, and that it could be any any song that he's written could very easily just take the words out and put an instrument in where the voice mm-hmm. was, and it would still be just as catchy. I mean, you wouldn't have any words to sing along with, but you know, you can you can hear a lot of his songs um, will will have a counterpoint or the actual melody in instrumentation. Uh, you know, first thing that comes to mind is the House of Mayors EP, where it's right, just right. full of the melody that is sung at the end for the final song. And it's just all over the place. Um, and, um, something else, and I've lost it. It was in my head for a second. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, it's an interesting thought. I thought of, um, the demo for particle man was recorded on a banjo and the, oh. the, de- the demo for, um, the Mesopotamians was recorded on an auto harp and nice um i want to hear that oh i can i'll send it to you um and i you know i don't think i don't know if he wrote the the melody for particle man on the banjo but he had something to play along it was the it was a tmg unlimited mp3 and it's like he grabbed the first thing that he could find and that was a banjo so i think maybe the melody i think he the melodies pop into his head and he has to get them down. <laughs> All right, hold on. Keep keep your stuff rolling. I don't know what's going on. I had something with the baby. Just a second. All right. You know about the guitar that I made? Um, um the guitar that you made? I don't. The think... Jazzmaster replica. Oh um, no, no. Okay. I well, don't know so about this. um, so I'm a lefty and a guitarist, and I first saw the Chessmaster yeah. in '98 uh, at a show. And I took some pictures uh-huh. and um, yeah. I just obsessed about that guitar for the longest time. I actually went, when the first time I <laughs> went, went to New York City, I went straight to 102 St. Mark's Place where Mojo Guitar Shop was and I talked to Chris Cush and I said, hey, can you make me one? And I gave him some money and I never got a guitar. And so uh, a couple years mm. of harassing him about it and filing complaints and yeah. then I just gave up. Wow. I said, fuck him. I'm going to make it myself. And so uh, huh. 2008, nine rolls around. I'm in industrial design, grad school, and I'm 3D modeling a guitar, and I'm getting it routed out on a five-axis <laughs> CNC router, and I get the original. <laughs> yeah, I know what all of that means. <laughs> yeah, so I, I get the original guy who painted the guitar, uh, apparently, uh, to paint my guitar. Um, Chris told me all this great information oh. about what was um uh, the guitar was about he, t- he told me the name chess master and and at that time it had never been mentioned the name of the guitar um told me who painted it told me yeah. what parts were in it what, what the wood was made out of so i paid in essence uh, helps, yeah. money to learn that but i made the guitar myself and um 2011 wow. i'm in london uh, the guitar is with me and they might be giants come by and i get to the show uh, about 1, 8, 1 p.m. 
and John and John roll out in a, ta- a taxi. They roll up in a taxi and they, they get out. And McJohn, can you sign my guitar? And it's in the case. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll be right back. I'm going to drop off my stuff. Vanel just, you know, zips in, doesn't say anything. <laughs> Flansburg comes back out. Yeah. And I open up the guitar case and it's the chess master. <laughs> and it's like, wow. You know, <laughs> what is, who made this? What What is, like, how, what is going on here? And so I told him the story and, um, and, um, it's, that was that was so that was my sort of my my one of my favorite moments. I got to sort of chat with Flansburg. Yeah. So well, for for people who I mean, you can Google stuff pretty easily. But the, the Flansburg has had a lot of iconic guitars over the years. But the the Chessmaster, I mean, it's prominently featured on severe the back of damage. Severe Tire the Damage Worm single, um, as well as a couple uh, of videos. Statue yeah. got me high. Statue got me high and older. And the devil went down to Newport. Yeah, it's, it's very... Sc- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost as if you took, like, the standard Stratocaster shape where it almost has, like... You know, like, most guitars have, like, yeah. horns almost where it's, like, the cutaway is. But this is, like, if, like, some sort of robot... Well, the, robot version so that's all squared away. He had it in a guitar case, a square guitar case, and you just decided to, like... What would happen if I just filled up the space of the guitar case and that made it made it rectilinear? <laughs> but anyway, so so um, I got to talk to Flansburg and then I mentioned that I was going to make a replica of the funky guitar amp that was um, uh, it's also it's in the the guitar music video and it's also in the older music video it was on uh, uh-huh. 120 minutes um, and it was on. Um, Letterman show when they did um, I Palindrome I I think yeah I Palindrome I mm. and um, mm-hmm. so Flansburg uh, pulls me aside before a show and he's like do you just want mine it's sitting in a warehouse and it's uh, it's not working you could you could easily fix it I'm sure it's just a blown fuse or something and um, so I'm like yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll do that <laughs> So he he gave that to me, um, <laughs> and um, when I went to pick it up, there was this drum head, and um, it was just sitting on the ground. And I asked if I could have that as well. <laughs> He's like, "Sure." So um, <laughs> it's that was a, it was a good a good haul. Um, but yeah, now I, I get a little crazy uh, <laughs> about the musical instruments of of the band, and the guitar is something that's just like iconic. Yeah. They might be giants. Oh, that's cool. And then having that amp, which is a really weird yeah. amp. There's not a right angle on it. It looks like a, kind of an inverted trapezoidal pyramid thing, and it <laughs> says TMBG on it. Pretty sweet. Um, let's talk about the st- Sifton, yeah. Um, Should we talk about the song again? Let's dissect these lyrics here. What do you think? I don't know. What? Well, so I mean, <laughs> seriously though, why like, is it called Sifton? Is it is just it, like a syllabic thing? I mean, is it like, like a rhythmic sound, like the sound of it? Uh, panning for gold, or it's kind of like this menial task, you know, sifting, sifting gravel, right, or something. And it's yeah. like Fla- yeah. flour. Um, you could be baking and be sifting. I guess it's just kind of yeah. like it, it's kind of that aversion to work theme that they have, which is interesting. If it's kind of a John Linnell song. It's usually, that's more of a Flansburg <laughs> song, writing songs about getting fired or, or whatnot. That, but, yeah, that's typically um, his theme, right? I, I think the interpretation of this song, the, the point, the point of this song, for me, why why I bring it up is I love all the instrumentation of it. Um, 
my favorite thing is the Micromoke synthesizer line. And um, it is a Micromoke. And um, mm, is that what he's playing if, it on? If you, if for the listeners oh. playing at home with their own Micromoke, if you wanted to, um, to to set the patch, we could <laughs> we could do that. I mean, I've got. I've I've done a patch a patch layout For, of it. Oh, so I have wow. a microwave. I figured it out. How did you get So maybe we can take a screenshot of this and, and, and post it as well. But um Hell yeah. <laughs> now I'm just seeing your arm. This is a Yeah, it's on a keyboard. Your mug is above your computer space, right now. Um, right here. But yeah, it's um, oh, okay. Sounds pretty sweet. What, a what great, do you got that coming out of? Is that co- is that going DI'd into the? So yeah, computer? everything's DI into um, uh, Marky the Unicorn um, Firewire uh, audio devices, and um, and I'm just routing it through the computer. So um, recording it and also playing it out to you at the same time. Um, Tech guy. Yeah. yeah, I've I've never been so, able to afford a Moog. My my analog <laughs> synthesizer of choice is my Roland Juno sixty. No, oh, that's a nice one. I wish I had a Roland. Um, six so, voice. Six voice <laughs> <laughs> polyphony. Take that. I could play chords. So, Wait, is that, is that, is that monophonic, the, the micro? Monophonic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, one oscillator. So it's kind of like a, a, a poor man's mini Moog. Sure. Um, pl- cheap plastic, um, you know. But it's it's a cool thing. Um, it has a, a filter input, so I could run anything into it and run the classic moog filter through that so nice. that why, why don't you that show I, our listeners what it what it can do do do, do some twiddling well let me let me do i I'll, I'll go around and explore the timbres of it but that same patch just an octave lower um linnell likes this sound um like 60s classic synth sound so saw wave he he uses it as a as a lead, but then later on in the um, in the song, it's kind of an accent, and all he does is drop it two octaves lower, and then um, changes the filter pattern, so inverts the the filter, and so um, you hear yeah. later in that song. So it's just the same patch, but nice. just just two knobs twiddled. So so now that I have the patch uh, played the sounds, I can. We can we can mess around with the timbres and stuff. It's got a white noise. I think when most people think of keyboards, it's just like there's a patch right there. Yeah, the Juno has a has a noise fi- a noise slider as well. Which it's is always got, fun. Uh, oh, a dozen knobs, over a dozen knobs, and a couple s- switches. So I can I can just have it drone and just do crazy things with it. Um, there we go. Got those lasers in there. So one of the cool things that, that they use this for is the um, the bass stuff. So and it's just the standard patch right out of the manual. So this the standard bass patch. Well, that's a little funky now, but um. It's what they used all their uh, all the bass sounds for on the on the first album. So um, it's it's a it's a nice sounding instrument. Yeah, one thing that's nice about the the Juno 60s is it has uh, 
digital storage. <laughs> so it's an analog synth, but you can yeah. save your you can save your patches. When I, when I got it in uh, two thousand, um, yeah, early eBay days as well. My mom was very nervous about getting me my birthday present on eBay, uh, and got it for three hundred. These things are going for like yeah. fourteen hundred now. That's awesome. Um, but it came to me with no manual. I had to find a guy through Vintage Synth Explorer uh, website to who he photocopied and mailed me an envelope with the with the with the uh, the manual to it, and it had no data cassette, so I had none of the presets. It came to me making wow. no sound. Um, so I had to design the sound. So every sound that's on there currently, it's designed by me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so much, it's so much nicer to have, um, a synth where you can do that and, and modify the sounds and not just go straight off of the preset built in sounds. So, yeah. And like MIDI and stuff, like there's so many advantages to do be doing MIDI and like for ease of use, like if I'm just mashing out some demo or something like that, it's like, yeah, okay, then right. I can fix a note Quantize or just or whatever. The... But if I'm tracking for real, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. But if I'm tracking for real and I want a synth sound, I'm going to go to the Juno for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome that, <laughs> that you've got that because I created a lot of sounds around. Uh, uh, were you into the rentals? As I said, it was Beatles and they might be giants at the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. So the rentals was Matt Sharp um, from Weezer, his uh, side project that that, that and then he left Weezer for it. But um, very big uh, use of Moog's Moog Source, I think, was his his most like, which is a weird one to go for the real '80s Moog. But um, the yeah, the way I figured out how to use the the, the Juno was was cueing in sounds like the the first couple of the rentals records. And also uh, this group called the Moog Cookbook. Did you ever hear oh, the yeah. Moog Cookbook? I, um, yeah. Uh, what's the guy's You have name? one of their helmets, don't you? No, I don't. <laughs> but um, I, I I know a bunch of musicians. Uh, it's Brian Brian Kehoe, right? I think he's one of the so guys. They were based in New York, right? Uh, he's in L.A. now, but I don't know if they were in New York. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I'm a, a, a big Erasure fan and all of Vince Clark's stuff, so Depeche and... Yazoo and everything, and, mm-hmm. and that guy is yeah. the synth master. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> it, I, I listen to a lot of his sounds, and I try to emulate what I can do. Yeah. What, what, the cool what, thing what, about Moog Cookbook is that there was like that element, like, like that comedic element to it. Hmm. So you could really make the synths do like ridiculous stuff, you know, that you might not put on like a serious pop song. Yeah. You know, so it really helped me to like explore the the you know all the 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 full range of uh, what an analog synthesizer can do. And now, like, pretty much with the, with the Juno, like, I'd love to have a Moog, but it's so fucking expensive. Yeah. But with the Juno, pretty much, like, if someone's like, can you get it to sound a little more, I don't know, like this or, like, this sound, be like, yeah, give me a minute. <laughs> and it's fun. It's satisfying to be able to do that, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. That, uh, so yeah, you should definitely, uh, we'll, we'll uh, yeah, if you tweet out the um, the the settings for that sure. shift in sound, <laughs> so you I'll, can play, uh, I'll, can play I'll retweet along that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. My, I, yeah, I'm used to sliders more than knobs. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, like this, this more more digging into sifting, I hear what sounds like a, a twelve string guitar, um, mm. but it might it's kind of has this sort of like I think it's Flansburg playing it almost like a clavinet kind of like. Yeah, and yeah. but there's a couple moments where you can kind of hear more of a strum. Although we we have heard Linnell play sort of guitar-like sounds, I still think it's a, a guitar 
but I could be wrong. So I'm I'm curious to put it out uh, out there if, if anyone else has an opinion. Yeah. Um, the other thing. Yeah, that John. I, John might be the one. Uh, uh, how do you say John's last name? Ulysses. 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 Yeah, know. he he's usually the one that writes in and <laughs> is like, and he's on the Patreon as well. So sometimes like I'll post an early episode, and before the even the episode even goes to like to the main feed, like he's already corrected something I've said. And like, <laughs> well, I guess I got to go in and re-record I, that. I've, I've, <laughs> I I listen to uh, your podcast and, and to um, uh, Jordan's podcast and mm-hmm. and they're great they're phenomenal both of them phenomenal podcasts but like I have to bite my tongue sometimes and I'm like ah, it's just not worth like correcting that tiny little thing um, yeah and, I know, mean but, I, but it's I, like I don't care so much if people correct me because I like to know what's right and yeah. I will sometimes say that you know on the top of like a next episode or something. Really, I like to learn stuff from my guests and really just, I mean, it's about opinions in the, about the band sure. and how, you know, you relate to the band and what they mean to you and what the song means to yeah. you. Um, I mean, because we've already got the wiki if people want to, you know, the encyclopedia of They Might Be Giants, sure, sure. You, you go there. I mean, if there's stuff that's not in the wiki that people are finding, I mean, that would be incredible, but because everything's in there. So, <laughs> like, if you want me to just read the wiki to you, I could do that. <laughs> no, so, yeah. hold on. So, once again, the lyrics are sifting. <laughs> sifting. <laughs> the guitar tab is cool looking, too, because... I, I think there's some errors in it. <laughs> really? Uh, C, B flat, C, B flat, E flat, F, D, E flat, D, I think C, I think it's D. an E flat, mi- uh, e flat major, not, not C, but... Um, right, right off the top. I mean, it's got. Well, like it does so have E flat majors in there. Linnell, Linnell does this like awesome ascending bass line in the song, mm-hmm. and that's something I've I've read where he's, um, he, he, like bass players have criticized his bass lines because they're they're too simple. But he just he does. Mm. Um, yeah, let's see. Do I have this going? What else you got over yeah, there? Yeah, I got... I'm just seeing, like, stuff off screen, and I'm like, what is he going to grab yeah, now? So, uh, got a little synth bass, but it's... Just goes... Yeah, what's simple about that? Well, it's it's just an E-flat e major scale, just the, the chords. It's just straight up E-flat. Yeah, but it's not just, like, playing the root of everything. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just a one, three, five... E flat, F, G minor, A flat, B flat, C minor, D. Um, it's very simple, but it's that classic. Right, Linnell. but he could just be going do 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 But like, I mean, yeah. I think that's um, another example of why they're so great and why John Linnell's great. I'm a Flansburg guy, <laughs> yeah. but this is like one of my favorite Linnell songs. Um, because yeah. of how yeah. interesting it is, it's got a, it's got Kurt Hoffman and a tenor sax, but then he comes in with a baritone sax later. Um, uh, it's got this plodding bass line that just ascends and descends and does these funky things. Uh, the the best part. And uh, so, so how did you confirm that it's Kurt Hoffman? Because even the wiki does not. Okay, have so that, yeah, you well, should be submitting it. Uh, the CD, the CD says tenor sax by okay, Kurt Hoffman. There you go. Um, Maybe we should yeah. update the wiki. Maybe you should go in there yeah. and edit it. <laughs> but um, the best part is John Lin- uh, John Flansburg's guitar solo. It just swoops in from the right, does his little thing, and then swoops back out. 
and it reminds me of how he would like play live around that time yeah, he would yeah. jump and spin and run around and run around and it was like maniac and that i can hear that in the in the song but it's one of yeah, flansburg's yeah. best guitar solos it's so articulate it's so um it is a cool one it, you know he he's kind of sloppy when it's like the kind of chunky that is in like, that's i love i that. love that too but this <laughs> is a very clean very very precise solo playing the melody yeah and and the way he phrases it but it just swoops in and swoops out and then it goes on to a baritone sax and then it goes on to like, you know coming from a micro moog and then it's la la la's and then yeah uh, it's it's, it's, it's it like, is almost like a like jazz in a way where it's like let's toss the solo to this guy right. now but it's now your but turn. It's a two. It's a. Uh, is it two minutes? Two two minute pop song. You know, it's 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 yeah. all of they might be giants wrapped up in this little thing. It's a drum machine, <laughs> a synth bass, uh, some saxophone, some keyboards, some guitar, and some yeah. weird lyric yeah. sifting. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, there's something else that I hear, and it's not it's not on the CD, but I hear a female voice singing the la la la's at the end slightly panned mm. right so listen yeah. I, I hear three voices i hear a high and it's not doesn't sound like robin so you're thinking what like put, like past the two minute mark uh, the, the last yeah the last set of la la la's that yeah it's like either i mean it's it's sung very precisely or what if it was like one of them pitch shifted or well, something you never know with these so guys that i was wondering if you you'd think pitch shifting you know the song um she was a hotel detective on the um on the no, never snail, heard sh- the yeah. snail shell EP, not the, not oh, the pink album. Uh, okay. Not the pink album version. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the last time I listened the disco, to it. The yeah. disco one. Well, that, yeah, that uh-huh. high falsetto part is Linnell pitch shifted up. Uh, yeah. so, See, it's not out of the question. It's not yeah. out of the question, but that has a, a sound. And I hear, I hear a very female voice in this buried in this thing for sure but it's hard because it's layered you uh-huh. got like then a little like chiming keyboard up there too so there's like three things going on at once and it's hard to like really really hear it. like if we could hear it solo right yeah but so yeah yeah it's it i hear something there but there's nothing there's no credit there's no credit for for guest vocalist that that's unlike them to not give credit i mean that seems weird oversight or uh or it's some sort of weird or what if it were a, a keyboard patch where it's like, you know, those <laughs> funny 80s keyboard patches where it's like choral and it's like, oh, right. oh, 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 oh. Right, you know, right. like, I mean, because it's not words in this case, it's not words. So maybe there was some sort of weird keyboard patch that sounded like a woman singing I, live. Sure. I don't know. But I, I guess <laughs> why, you know, why I bring this song in is because there's so much to it. There's still mystery there for me. There's a lot of mystery for it. It's a great melody. It's fun. Um, you can kind of sing along to it. You can sing along to an instrumental. Like where, where else can you say that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I consider it an instrumental, even though the word sifting is there. It's, 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 yeah. just, I don't know. It's filler. It's textural. It's, it's something, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think the word sifting must, it's purely has to be, has to do with the sound of the word, the, the, this in the, just the, the ways the 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 S and the yeah. F and then you get the the tin the sif tin it's got a very percussive kind of quality to that that word a lot of hard uh, consonants yeah. in there especially when you take the G off the end and that sifting yeah you know that sifting 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's funny because I was trying to find, like, I was like, maybe for my ending credits, like, at the end of an episode, um, I'll have some song underneath it. But then I'm like, you know, I could put a song with lyrics under it. So um, I'm like, what the hell instrumental songs do They Might Be Giants have? I mean, other than Sifton, what comes to mind for you? Um, Lady is a Tramp, but it does snap Tramp at the end that sample <laughs> um yeah well the one that came to mind for me first was space yeah, so that's the one that's i use underneath i mean the, that's kind of the obvious plus and you're you're a theremin guy is that a theremin or just like a big sweep on a, on it's, a synthesizer, it's, you know? i think it's the micro mode um yeah that that thing is everywhere um yeah it's definitely the micro mode I should figure out the, the patch. For yeah. That. <laughs> you know, and I would love to talk about gear with Linnell, but like when I, I was talking about like Danny, I was talking with Danny about his basses and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to talk with, with Linnell about like the different accordions he's used over the years, or the different keyboards. And Danny's like, that would be the last thing you yeah. want to talk about. He's just, he just wants to like show up and have something like be able to plug in and work. Like, you know, because it's funny because you see him up on stage and like he'll be hitting his settings and like who knows what goes on behind the scenes, but you don't see him. He's not like live twiddling right. like it's with all, stuff it's all on the spot. Preset. It's all in there. Yeah. The way that he needs it, exactly how he needs it. Um, I find that hard to believe, though, that like if I because I could like really geek out about accordions and I know quite a bit about accordions um, and a little bit about the history and how they're made and all that kind of stuff. And I'd love to talk with him about like. You know, even just seeing footage of him live, pictures, the music videos, like all the different accordions he's had throughout the year, like years. I'd love to talk to him about that. And I find it hard to believe that he'd be like, yeah, I don't know. What's the next question? (laughs) Like, how could he not? Like, it's such an iconic piece, like, of the visual aesthetic as well as the the oral uh, aesthetics of the band. Like, in, in, like, so many pieces of merchandise, like, he's stretching that accordion Mm -hmm. out. Like, that's, like... You know, I've got like one of the shirts they had on their their last tour. I bought that's uh, just that red accordion. Yeah, it says man. they, like you know, and it's just the accordion just spread out. It's just a mm-hmm. very visual, visually uh, uh, just eye grabbing instrument. And I would I would love to talk to him about accordions. And Danny's just like, I don't know, maybe like he's like, I don't know if you want to talk about that. I'm like yeah. what? Come on, man. I I don't know. Maybe it's more about the songs and. It's not about the, yeah. the, the, the gear. For me, it's like I, I'm obsessed with the gear. Sure, but then how come it. he hasn't had? But then how come he hasn't had the same accordion for thirty whatever years? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, when when he could still be playing that that Moog on stage, you know, if he was going to be like, <laughs> well, it was good enough for me then. Yeah, yeah, you know, it worked for me then. It worked for me now. I, don't know. I guess. Yeah. Simplicity. Like is Flansburg like, hey, I got you a new keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when mom mom comes home, you're in elementary school, and mom's like, I got you some new jeans. You're like, mom, these look stupid. I'm just imagining Flansburg coming. He's like, hey, John, I got you a new keyboard. Oh, thanks. Does it work? Yeah, it works. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's a business expense. I don't know. That's it's the <laughs> yeah. Right. So right. yeah, this is just the tool right. of my trade. He for a while he was had a Proteus 2000 um, sound module in his blue mm-hmm. keyboard stand. And now it's all sampled stuff. And I think it's internal sounds on the, on the, um, on the keyboard itself, but I'm sure it's a very expensive yeah. keyboard and it looks very heavy. He's got that table. Like it doesn't have a stand. He's it got, like, it a used table. to have, 
And there's a place for him to put that, his that coffee. That table stand used to have um, blue legs. It, it was like like kind of desk school legs. And um, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. when it was uh, a Roland A30 as a controller. And when he got that bigger keyboard, mm-hmm. they, they took off the legs and then put it on like a proper keyboard stand um, to hold the weight of it. But um, yeah. I mean, like, I think about the Beatles and their first American tour. You know, it was three amps, three, two guitars and a bass and a drum kit. You know, it's, they traveled very light. And yep. for a band that's been, for They Might Be Giants, have been, you know, touring for, touring and playing and, and serious about music for over 30 years, near, nearly 40 years now. Um, you know, they can't, tra- they, they're odd. They don't travel light. They'll carry a giant uh, marching band drum, you know, to to do one song, yeah, to do whistling in the dark way. Or, uh, right, yeah. Well, that's gone now. That's been gone for right, a while, right? Right, but like... Or the stick. The stick. Or did the stick only do the, do the New York I shows? saw I saw the stick in Phoenix, Arizona in 99, nice. 2000. Oh, man. Um, First time I saw it was on their mink car tour, and they definitely did not do it. Yeah, the stick. Yeah, I think maybe it's somewhat the the ease of just having a thing you can plug in and, and go. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to mess with yeah. patches and presets, and he just has yeah. to hit a couple buttons. That, that makes sense, like on stage for sure, but like in the studio, I, I'm thinking more like along the lines like in the studio. Like it's like Flans or Pat Dillett or someone else is like, here, here's 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 a cool sound. What do you think? Oh yeah, that's cool. Well, All right, uh, and let's record the song. I mean, come on, he's got to know about cueing in these sounds. There's no way he doesn't. Like when you think about a song like, um, well, like by the time you get this, has like that big like kind of like classic square wave synth sound that mm-hmm. comes in. And I, I have a hard time imagining him not being the one to, like, pick that out, if not make it, oh, be I'm, like, this is the one. Like, digging through sounds, and, it like, you know, Danny just made it seem like he just, like, uh, I, I just, just put something under my fingers to play the, to play the melody. So, um, I, I happen to have a Nord Lead 2 keyboard. It's a virtual analog. It's not mm-hmm. a, it was my first yeah. sort of keyboard and synthesizer. And um, I got that for a different reason, besides they might be giants. But in Gigantic, you see the rack version, the Nord Rack Two, in when they're when they are in the studio talking about man, it's so loud in here. Uh, and so yeah, I just rewatched this the other day. So yeah. I I realized mm-hmm. that Linnell has the same keyboard that I have, and and I've when I noodle around on my synthesizer, I'll hit a note and I'm like, wait a minute. This this patch this patch on that note I know that, and so I've pulled yeah. I pulled out um, the the theme from McSweeney's is is this the sort of theremin like singing sound is patch number ninety uh-huh. it's the preset built in one um, yeah the the um, complete paranoia the sort of hidden track on the DVD where it's playing over snail shell um, so sort of improvised. That's patch number sixty uh-huh. on the uh, on the Nord lead. So, <laughs> there, he, he, I think I think he just pulled the patch. He's not he's not he's not like you where you're defining your own sound on the Juno, but he's got a, a mm-hmm. huge library of sounds that he does pull random sure. stuff from. Um, 
and it's 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 the preset preset sound um but even you ever find the uh, uh metal detector sound <laughs> it's well so <laughs> it's a micro moke it's like a chicken that, yeah the, i love it sounds the, like a chicken the squawk is a sample it doesn't come from like i because for the longest time i've wanted a uh, micro moke and mostly because i first saw Lanell playing it on the Conan O'Brien when they were doing AKA Driver. And there's that weird thing at the end uh, where he's just uh-huh. m- messing with knobs and he's making all these weird sounds. I'm like, what the hell is that? That is awesome. And yeah. then yeah. that was before I heard Metal Detector. And then Metal Detector came out and it was like, oh my God, this is the best song ever. <laughs> and all, yeah. all the little synth sounds and stuff. And it's like the line yeah. notes yeah. say, it's like we dusted off our squawky or old but still squawking micro moog for most of the sounds on this track and um nice yeah yeah and so i'm like oh i always thought that wah 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 wah, wah sound was the micro moog <laughs> and, and so when i when i got my micro moog i spent like a day trying to make that sound and realized oh it's it's a sample yeah. it's not it's not the micro moog which is kind of disappointing maybe i mean it could have been like i mean it's still a cool thing to do but yeah 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 Still a cool. But yeah, thing there's definitely do. like four different patches tuned in on that micro mode on that on metal detector. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Oh man, so we we've talked for over an hour about uh, a short instrumental piece. <laughs> Just wait but, till we get to. But I say, yeah. <laughs> Just wait yeah. till the next episode, kids. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, is there? Is there anything else crucial we should say about I, Sifton before I, we get I, to the the scoring? Because because I could talk about analog synths pretty much all day, but I, it is getting late, and I am. I uh, think I, I I'm a tired I old man. Checked off all my bullet points. Yeah, yeah. I I was glad to talk about a song that I really did not know very well because I know I had heard it, and I I had heard the you know I'd listened to all the the power of dial song things, and because I remember looking through the you know, the timestamps for the songs on those and uh, being like, oh, it's Sifty. That sounds familiar. And then I listened to it and I'm like, okay, this is a short <laughs> little thing. And then I remembered about the iPalindrome stuff. Because there's, there's so many things from the early days like where like, oh, well, this was collected on this mm-hmm. or this or this. But there's some that have fallen through the cracks and really just were only on yeah. these EPs. Um, so this is like kind of one of those forgotten tracks to anyone but the most, you know, diehard of They Might Be Giants fans, people willing to really dig and i mean you went and you bought a yeah. physical copy of the ep you know and uh like i don't know how many they made of that but it, it i'm sure it's not as many as you know the the main yeah. albums you know how many copies are still around but so yeah i, I was glad you picked these uh, you're finding songs that aren't on my <laughs> spreadsheet because swear to god like i just go i go through the wiki and i'm like okay oh this okay copy paste and then kind of clean it up and like, yeah, you and and John keep finding uh, things. They're like, well, I want to do this song. It's not on there. <laughs> like, God damn it! Like, I knew I missed something. Like, there's just yeah. there's so many songs. I need to find someone to talk about all the Dunkin' Donuts oh, yeah. songs. Apparently, no one's oh, asking man. about that. Like, where where's America runs on Dunkin'? <laughs> Pleather. I don't know. Maybe people don't care about one. that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so I'm I'm glad you picked this one because it forced me to. And this podcast in general is forcing me to take a, a critical eye on songs that maybe weren't my personal yeah. favorite songs, but really, uh, or stuff that wouldn't just automatically, I throw into one of my playlists, but, uh, but it gives me new appreciation for, for the, even, even just the album cuts that are deeper I, album cuts. And stuff. I think so they might be giants have a bad habit of putting some of their best songs on piece as B sides on EPs. Um, 
<laughs> well, I think it depends what your definition of their well, best song so, is, because some people would call the boss of me their best song. <laughs> I think for me, the best the the best songs are really catchy, really obscure and bizarre, and just very like the weirder the better for me. Um, yeah, I'd say finding the balance between the weird yeah. and the poppy is is where is where they hit that yeah. that sweet spot. Yeah. Not too weird, but not just pure pop. You got to find that middle, a juicy, <laughs> juicy middle that is sifting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, score, let's score I this. Was, I did not want to get to this part because too bad you're not I, getting I'm out just, of it. You no know, weaseling out of it. Do, I would do ten on everything except maybe <laughs> one song out of their repertoire. But <laughs> what's I the don't one? Think that's fair. Well, the one yeah, song that wouldn't get a ten. Um, an unrelated thing uh-huh. is probably one of my least favorite really? songs. Uh-huh. Well, okay. I mean, who put the alphabet in alphabetical uh-huh. order? I don't think I've ever listened to that more than twice. Sure. Yeah. But I kind of can't count that. But um, <laughs> Man, I always find the lyrics of unrelated thing pretty funny. That's that's for another episode, though. No, yeah. it, it's it's it lyrically it's 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 yeah, fun, yeah. but the 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 musical presentation isn't. <laughs> I don't well, like how it, about you do a cover of it for whoever I end up talking to the, that song about. <laughs> you do a cover and I will play it on there. You can do improve a, upon it. A death metal cover. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or just entirely so, layers of Moog. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think if I have to, if I have a scale of one to 10, yep. I'm going to, I'm going to go high and I'm going to go eight, but I, sure. I almost want to do nine because it's just so good. So maybe eight and a half. <laughs> I think it probably also um, feels like a, a special one to you because because it is so obscure. Because even to other fans like me, you can be like, oh, what about Sifting? And like, I forgot about that one. I haven't heard that in like 10 years. And then you go and listen to it. It's yeah. like it's almost like you're discovering a new song, even though it's incredibly yeah, old. Right, but you're just the like, first time again. oh, yeah. shit, yeah, like this one, right. Yeah, so that that does give it a, a little boost there, where it's almost like a hidden little little nugget, for sure. It has high replayability for me. I can I can loop that a couple times without getting sick of it. Now, where is it? Where is so, it sitting on the uh, the the wiki on the song rankings? I think it's about halfway. Five thirteen out of nine oh four. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one that probably just doesn't get ranked a whole lot. Only twenty five people have right. ranked it. So I think I am going to give this one. Um, I'm going to give it a 6.9. Nice. Okay. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go close to seven cause you, you, you've, you've, you've talked me into it. Now I, I think, I think <laughs> it, it, it could have been lower if it were just like, let's, let's say just like put it, you put my, all my stuff on a shuffle and it went through and it just kind of played in the background. You know, if I weren't, it, you, you forced me to pay attention to it in a way that, that helped me to realize just all the cool arrangement stuff that's going on in there. Yeah. Um, and for being what some people, I mean, like it was their intro song or whatever and intended almost as background music, but then when you really listen to it, there's all this, this stuff in there, you know, they're, they're not just going to mm-hmm. make a throwaway song just for the hell of it. They're going to, you know, even right. if it's instrumental, they're going to put, you know, put some interesting stuff in there. So, so yeah, 6.9. Yeah. Let's do that. Cool. So, um, what, uh, do you, do you have anything you want to plug to the fine, People out there, stuff that they can listen to of yours, anything like that? Uh, well, um, non-They Might Be Giants related stuff. I do uh, 
I do have a cool Instagram where I post some of the work that I do. I, I work on musical instruments. Yeah. And um, yeah, what's that? Uh, unfortunately, I, I can't I can't show much of the stuff I I work on. Um, but what I do, I, I try to. I, I feel like I have a nicely curated Instagram. But that's Mike underscore Buffington. And that's your Twitter um, as well, right? Twitter and Instagram and basically everything else. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much for being on. This was fun to do a, a really bizarre one. And, um, I, oh, I have been, better. I, ha- <laughs> I have been finding I, more and more people to, to, to unearth these ones that I've forgotten about and, or left off the spreadsheet. And, uh, so it's good that this is a, a, a podcast for super fans. You know, I'm going to do the hits, but I gotta, gotta do some of these deep, deep, sure. deep cuts as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me, uh, on to do the, the show. I, I, there's like, I want to do like a thousand of these songs. There's, <laughs> I, I was know. like, and, and some of the, some of the like really good ones were already like, Sifton is not my favorite song, but I really do love it. But mm-hmm. like most of my favorites were already picked by somebody else. And I know it's rough. I've started it's, like, it's frustrating. There's, but, there's some people that, uh, like my my real life friends, like I said, that when we first started, I'm like, I don't know if this podcast is going to go anywhere, what it, what's going to happen. And so I was letting like my real friends pick like three or four songs. And then it started coming around like people are like, oh, this is taken. And I look, and I'm like, who took that one? Yeah. Oh, man, he's got like four other songs. And I would, <laughs> you know, if there's one, if there's one that you see that. Um, is already claimed, and you notice that person's name a few other times. I mean, they're they're you know they're real friends of mine. It's not just some guy. I'm just being like, hey, I'm taking your song. Like a lot yeah. of them have handed off, like like Hutch Harris did Dead. Uh, that was handed off by, uh, from a friend of mine who had a couple already. And um, yeah, so so yeah, a, a lot of my friends are glad to give it up to like indie artists that they that they look up to as it is. But yeah. but even you know even us us regular Joes, you know, if there's a song you see. And like Matt Monta's name is on it, and he has like a bajillion songs claimed. Be like, hey Matt, you want to <laughs> give that one up too? Be like, oh, okay, it's fine. So, well, I'm I'm happy with the three songs that I've chosen. I know that nobody will. <laughs> yes, you know, so you, go, you got I that. I picked some yeah. more obscure than Sifton um, for the upcoming stuff. <laughs> more obscure than I, Sifton. Yeah. What could it be? Um, but I think I think Out of Jail was uh, was taken, and that's probably one of my favorite. Mm. songs i would love to talk about that one mm-hmm. um i think metal detector was taken as well oh yeah but yeah um oh well yeah now it's 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 good to do deep dives with with someone who knows knows about it uh yeah save the save those bigger hits for the the more casual fans <laughs> you know the 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 layman you know whatever yeah. the the peasants no <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah my friend jerome and parker are going to be on the boss of me episode and that, that it'll be totally fun but yeah they're like people that are getting more into the band like i've got people that are telling me that they're starting to like the band more because of my podcast so i'm like that's like the best thing that you could say because they're like well i knew a few songs but now i'm really getting into them you're like okay that's awesome i'm 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 the well, ambassador for the ambassadors think, of love this this might encourage somebody to go out and Grab a copy of uh, High Palindrome I. Yeah. Except that's really the only good song on there. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Uh, okay. All right. So I think with that, we'll call it a night. And uh, thanks again, Mike. That was, uh, it, was, it was fun talking to you, especially about the synths. <laughs> so cool. let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good time. Indeed. I'm looking forward to it. All righty. All right. Take care. Please join us on Twitter at This Might Be a Pod facebook.com slash this might be a podcast 
email me. This might be a pod at Gmail. And you can leave voicemails at 224-801-2930. If you really like what you're hearing and you want to support the pod, please visit us at patreon.com slash this might be a podcast to uh, donate and get some exclusive content and some merch. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Sifted.